In this week's show, we're here with our contributor, Joe Baylog. We'll be discussing the new Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi. And the reason that we're doing the show is because there's a lot of turmoil about the movie, as, lo- as well as um, the question that we have is, does it meet the criteria for the previous movies? And it's not about being um, a Star Wars junkie, but it's about all the the hoopla behind the film has a lot to do with um, how it has uh, affected uh, modern culture and how it has been broken down the story, the, the characters, into things that we can all relate to. So Joseph Campbell had a theory that... Um, that every mythic story has a pattern. And when George Lucas was writing uh, Star Wars, he followed that pattern. And and then when he wrote the prequels, seems like that pattern is not fully there, maybe a little bit. And now these um, sequels that are done 30 years later, um, it seems like they're walking away from that. And I think that's what angered uh some audiences where it just took it away from that those universal ideas and now it's turning into something else. We're, we're going to do spoilers all the way through the show. So Joe saw the movie recently. Um, from your theological perspective, did you see anything redemptive or um, theological? Um, and just for our audience, redemptive means that it has some type of um, spiritual... Uh, message that it talks about someone being in a state of of sin or uh, I guess depravity and then that somehow they're being uh, taken from that to a higher place and that's where uh, religious people can actually connect with some of these stories um, do you see any of that or, or the movies like The Matrix and stuff like that they're like an amalgamation of many ideas but there's still some elements that speak to religious people in this movie um did you get a sense of that i think one of the examples um of like redeeming moments uh is when ray is on the island uh where luke skywalker is and she first discovers um with luke's help that she can tap into the force um using her feelings and she starts getting a sense for what the force is and having different experiences, connecting different things around the island. And then she discovers in the island that there's this, um, there's this thing that's calling to her and it's calling her into it. And it's like pulling her in and Luke, um, starts telling her, no, don't go, don't go in. That's the dark side. You're going to get sucked into the dark side. And um, she kind of explores it. um, And there's this, like, giant black hole that she starts kind of going into. um, And she doesn't really fight it and she kind of snaps up back into the reality and looks like, Oh my God, you almost went to the dark side and you didn't, you didn't even fight it. You're, um, you're, he says something like you're not very strong or, um, this is why we have to destroy the forest and the Jedi. 
and uh, Ray just kind of like sits with it and doesn't really like judge what she did. And later, um, when she is faced with uh, Snoke uh, in front of Snoke and Kylo Ren, and she's being um, interrogated using the Force by Snoke, she has this moment where she has to like decide with her will whether she's going to let him uh, manipulate her or not. And she doesn't let him. And so there's, I feel like there's a redemptive quality to her character where she shows a, a great sense of um, uh, strength and personal willpower in choosing to do uh, what is good and to stay on the good side um, of the force. And there's a few other moments when that, when she showcases that um, she interestingly though, as a a movie, as a film develops kind of discover though, it's not necessarily for, it's for the good side and for the force and for others, but there's this ultimate thing of uh, question of her identity, which plays into why she's doing it. She's kind of doing it for herself. Um, so she can discover who she is and that kind of plays, um, causing to question like, is redemption, um, or is this kind of like self-seeking of who you are? Can you, can you find, um, kind of like redemption through that? Um, ultimately in the movie she she discovers like who she is um, but it's act, it's like an existential act of like personal realization it's not like someone tells her um, who she is and then she kind of goes with it if that makes any sense okay uh, I'm glad that, that you found something uh, redemptive or positive about the movie I had a lot of problems with the movie but let's put the movie um in the test that, um, in this framework, um, there's a show on Netflix called uh, Myths and Monsters, and they they go through every mythical story from Scandinavian to British uh, King Arthur style um, stories, and and they say, do they follow this pattern? So when you watch the original trilogy, uh, there's a call to adventure. That's you know, uh, Luke being um, Seeked out by Obi-Wan to, to go help uh, Princess Leia. He's the supernatural aide um, who's like a threshold guardian. Then um, he finds in him a helper, a mentor. And then there's a temptation where he could turn into the dark side or, or give up the fight. And then there's a part where uh, he loses his hand and it's like a death and revert um, aspect of the hero's journey. Then there's a transformation where he returns in the Return of the Jedi, and he um, he atones for for what's going on. I guess his relationship with his father, and then he's a there's a return to him uh, becoming a greater person or uh, establishing some type of uh, climax to to the story, and then it it brings it to a greater status quo where people are are able to live in peace because of his actions. 
So if you look at the prequels, the life of Darth Vader is a little more complicated because now you have, it's like an anti-hero. So he starts off real good and, and he's he's called to, to help the, whatever at that time is the Republic. And then he spirals into um, to the dark side because he wants to control the universe and is this and and the outcome of things and it's the same thing with Kylo Ren the the new uh, villain but in this movie he's all confused and he does like after killing a bunch of people in uh, the Force Awakens and becoming um, like the future Darth Vader being his um, grandson now he's kind of like doubting what he's doing he has a special connection with Ray, the the heroine, but um, the biggest issue that people have found with with this new movie is that the hero that we had all put our um, aspirations in as little kids and and throughout the years um, come to love Luke doesn't have that hero journey anymore. Now he's a hermit who has a lot of problems with the Force because I guess he felt betrayed that he wasn't able to stop his um, his nephew from causing havoc. And now he's working against um, the next generation who's trying to pick up the baton and and follow his footsteps. He wants to destroy that and wants nothing to do with it. And I guess it's a little more realistic. It's not this universalistic um, ideal perspective, but it's also kind of disheartening. And I was sharing with you in a conversation yesterday that it's kind of like, you, one of the reasons that I struggle with, with Joseph Campbell is that he does parallelomania where he compares the story of Hercules with the life of Jesus, with the life of Buddha, and he claims that they're all the same. So what this new movie did to Luke Skywalker, it's like taking the life of Jesus and turning it upside down and... And what's weird is that even though it's 30 years after he went through the first hero's journey, it kind of invalidates some of the things he did before. So nobody wants to see a hero who denies or regrets pursuing the path that he took that we saw as uh, adventurous and and wonderful. Um, so, so that's why... Um, even for me, who I'm not like a super fan, but I'm someone who has followed the the history of, of the movie, it really left me like depressed and, and like uninterested in what happens because it kind of took away from the the magic of the original movies. Um, did you experience any of that or, or you were not that involved when, when you saw this movie? Well, uh, to the point about Luke Skywalker, and this might be like going on a like a pretty small string, but I think like the only redeeming moment is that scene um, when Yoda all of a sudden shows up and they have a conversation um, and Luke spills his guts and is like, I just I don't know what's going on anymore. And he's like, I'm going to, I'm just going to burn. I'm going to send the end the Jedi and burn it all down. We're going to burn the tree down, the books, we're going to destroy it all. And he goes into the burn sound of fire and he realizes he can't do it. He's still really attached to it. 
And then Yoda does, like, one of the best scenes from the movie is when Yoda stomps his feet and laughs. And after he um, causes a lightning bolt to come down and sets the tree on fire and it burns everything, and Luke freaks out and he's like, oh, my gosh, what have we done? And he's panicking because he's like, I don't know if I should be sad, if I should be happy right now. And um, and then Yoda gives him, like, one of his final lessons of, like, um, the Jedi was never about the books. He hadn't even read the books before. Or, like, they're just good pieces of paper or whatever. Um, it's not about the tree. It's not about the Jedi. It's, uh, it's about the Force, and it's about um, he can still be a teacher. Um, even though he feels like he, he failed Kylo Ren, he can teach him his final lesson by teaching him that he, uh, through humility and saying, like, I failed you. Um, and he wasn't a good teacher and, um, or like an ultimate act of just like self-acceptance and goodness still exists. Um, hopefully he can still turn Kylo Ren. And that was kind of exciting. And then I think for like, I'm not a diehard Star Wars fan either. Like I couldn't even tell you most of the connections between all eight films and, um, or like, all, all the characters or anything. Um, and then Luke Skywalker has this, like, kind of final, yeah, he has this, like, final battle. And, um, but I guess that was really disappointing to a lot of people because it wasn't actually him doing it. He was just using the Force to do it. So it's not really, it's not really as cool. But I thought it was kind of cool. Um, it's kind of a sweet power to be able to do that, even though it was like the first time that anyone had done it. Um, so I thought, I thought it was like entertaining. I didn't see how it kind of like closed the loop. Um, cause I don't think it was supposed to on the, on the series and like moving into the next one. Cause it was just maybe, maybe there's like a strong parallel to like America, like American politics right now where it's like, very much about being a disruptor and just coming in, like shaking things up and letting go of the past and um, creating some new, like very uncertain future um, out of things. Maybe we could find like weave some, some uh, parallels there, but um, I, I thought it was like, it's very, it's like fun. It's cinematically beautiful. It's entertaining. There's some pretty good puns in it um, that are like reminiscent of old Star Wars movies of the of the first three and um, yeah, but there's there's a lot that doesn't make sense. Probably. So well, it's it's interesting that you focus on the part with Yoda because um, people who either grew up Catholic or they're struggling with their Catholic faith have found that that one scene where they're burning the books and they and it's telling them that it's not a about the books, it's about, you know, your inner inner power or something like that. They've actually found that as a type of iconoclastic perspective against Catholicism. And it's funny that they don't think about any other religion that is traditional. They only think about Catholicism because that's what they grew up in. But um they they actually see it as a positive thing that the Yoda and Luke are um, 
kind of, you know, let's, let's get to the core of, of our faith. But what's crazy about it is that in the, in the original film, the only character who truly uh, wanted to protect tradition was Darth Vader. He gets very angry at one of the, the soldiers or commanders at, at the, in one of their ships. And he says, you know, your, your lack of faith is disturbing. And then uh, Obi-Wan talks about the good old days of the Jedi um, order. And we get to see that in the prequels. And they actually have a beautiful religion and, and a great uh, temple. And they, they thrive uh, protecting the galaxy and all this stuff. So for the, a new writer, a new director to say that all, all that stuff is a bunch of junk and that we just need to believe in ourselves or something like that, it, it was very uh, disturbing because we've all gr grown to love um, the, um, the whole idea of, of being a Jedi and, and being part of a, a group of people who, who share that, that power. Um, so, again, it's just this iconoclastic thing keeps on running through my mind about the movie. Like, it's trying to undo a lot of the stuff that was done in the past. Like, I don't know if it was purposeful or it was just, you know, it's not not always out with the old and in with the new is a good thing. Um, sometimes we have to look at the wisdom from the past and putting too much um, hope on the future and on people who don't have the training or the understanding of, of our history uh, is actually what... Uh, I see as a problem with modern culture is that people are not uh, investing in, in understanding history and understanding our past so then we can grow from, from those mistakes and from those uh, things that have happened instead mm -hmm. of acting like it's just a clean slate we're just going to uh, recreate everything mm -hmm. with no basis uh, the, the more the, the more that people talk about him having the power to project himself across many planets, whatever, the more it sounds, you know, interesting or whatever. And they say people who are more familiar with Star Wars um, mythology, they say that every movie shows a new power of the Force. So I feel that the movie sometimes breaks the rules that the other movies establish, like the universe the, it doesn't follow the universe of Star Wars. But they say that the mm -hmm. part of the universe is that you discover new things about these, this this force. And in the original movies, the force hints at a, as an idea of God, but is more of a Buddhist or Eastern perspective of, of spirituality where it's just something that binds all, all people together, all creatures. Um, and, then, and then in this movie... They say that it's neither good nor bad, that you just have to um, kind of embrace it and, and not not get too hung up on, on good versus evil or something like that. And to me, that although the, the original movies also talked about finding a balance between dark and light, um, it, it undoes the whole point of the movies where you have the good guys and the bad guys, and the good guys are really good and the bad guys are really bad. And bringing balance to the force is not letting the bad guys take over. So it's not 
they don't equal each other out. They don't cancel each other out. They, they, the good guys allow for freedom, and the bad guys want to have empire and destroy um, the freedom that people have. So it, it just has these conf- conflicting idea that now you just kind of like mind your own business and, and let people duke it out. Um, so, so I saw a lot of new age um, perspectives and a lot of the one thing that really got me is that the new Jedi's that hints about in the movie they don't have to go through any training to become uh, one with mm. the force or or mm. capable of doing that so it's also denying the the importance of discipline and it's, and it's this modern uh, philosophy and, and spirituality that it's just all about me, 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 and, and having all these abilities and being so wonderful without having the humility to actually go through a rigorous process to become better. I don't know if you if you saw that in the movie. Hmm. That is really interesting. Like both Kylo Ren and Ray being like the, the new prodigies. They, Kylo Ren is traditionally trained from Luke Skywalker, whereas Rey is, quote, from nowhere, and she just kind of discovers ad hoc that she she engages the Force through her own will without having known what it is. And, and then Luke realizes, kind of sees it in her, and then starts training her a bit um, and teaches her how to, like, channel essentially it's like channeling your will like channeling your attention and your focus and um she gets some training but it's like it's assumed that she has like such great power or like ability with it naturally um and i was just there's the whole thing with like the uh um in the prequels about the force actually being controlled by these, by the midi, what are they called? Like the midi chlorians or something. Like it's a, this like cell in your blood and like you have a certain count in your, in your blood. And that means you can be like more powerful or something. And that's how they knew that Anakin was like this super superhero. Um, and of course, but yeah, it's, um, that's a really uh, that's a really interesting point because Ray um, it is a very individualistic focus for both Ray um, as uh, the heroine um, and Kylo Ren uh, I mean his complete disregard for like family um, he kills his own dad like pretty easily um and he almost kills his mom in the last jedi um but then he has a change of heart um is yeah there's something really there's something really modern in that like the that personalized glory um that really doesn't take anybody else like ray tried to fight um Luke Skywalker, like, there's, 
which like from a Star Wars perspective, I would think the question is like, how did she become so strong? Like where was her lineage? Um, but apparently she doesn't have any, like, so she was just chosen or like, well, how does that work? Um, chosen by who or by what or like, um, but it's not there. She's just like this crazy mutant, um, who has super strong abilities and thankfully using them for good so far. Well, and there's nothing wrong with people believing in themselves or even having innate abilities. And that's actually like an empowering thing. Like, especially being the first female lead to just have that, like that's actually refreshing. But in the original, in the original Star Wars um, film, it was a mystical force that gave you those abilities and, and you had to like gain that. And then in the prequels, it was a genetic marker or almost a dynastic thing that you that you was passed on. So the dynasty of, of Luke and Leia came from Anakin, their father, who's Darth Vader. So now you have a random person and possibly even more random people who have access to this. So it so it kind of throws you off. But what I'm interested in is is the mythology and how it's connected to ancient mythology. So. Um, if we look, you know, chronologically, because it's easy to get confused about the original movies and the prequels, but let's say from the beginning, it starts off with the life of Anakin Skywalker. Um, he has a type of, um, you know, father-son relationship with Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, and and then later he fights him, and he feels betrayed by him, and and that he somehow brainwashed his wife. Um, Padme so there's a almost Oedipus um, thing where he's he's gonna kill his father like figure to gain the trust of his bride so that's that's a mythological component then you go to uh, the life of his son Luke Skywalker and at first he didn't know it was his father then he finds out that, that Anakin who's now Darth Vader is his father and then you have almost a King Saul versus David conflict where a, uh, a greater uh, king is trying to destroy his protege or his, his child and because he gets more honor than, than he does. So he chases him around the galaxy trying to destroy his son um, or even tries to bring him around to join the dark side and, and at the end is actually the son who saves the father kind of like when king david had before he became king he had the opportunity to kill saul and he chose not to because he he honored him as king and as being anointed by god um but now in the new movies you have all kinds of random people and the one that everybody's putting their attention in is luke skywalker and there's really no connection that you can make because there's a lot of random conflicts. And you can maybe you can say that there's some type of Oedipus issue with Kylo Ren killing his father, um, uh, Han Solo. Um, but it wasn't really about him 
taking the power of Solo or winning over the affection of his mother. And then when he uh, tries to kill Luke, it's just him wanting to be like Darth Vader. And then now he's trying to take Rey to, to the dark side in a very silly way. And it's just very confusing. Like, we don't have patterns or, or um, major mythological um, ideas to cling to. And I think that's that's another thing is like it's very confusing and it's more realistic. And like you said, it's more contemporary because it deals with contemporary issues of personal aggrandizement or the ability to uh, path your own destiny and stuff like that. Instead of waiting for other people to to show you the way. But it's it's. It's kind of like the reason the reason that the. That the TV show Lost became very popular and, and well received was because before that, people uh, assumed, like Hollywood producers assumed that people didn't want any complex stories, that they just wanted simple, like, uh, end to f- beginning to end uh, stories in one episode uh, in serial shows. So they never went too deep, they never dealt with major ideas, they just it, everything was very straightforward. And then when Lost came, it was very mysterious. It was very uh, intriguing. It had a lot of different ideas. It kind of left everything to interpretation. And it showed that, that people are more mature and more um, able to to grapple uh, different concepts. So it feels now that the new Star Wars, including the prequels, have been uh, dumbed down thinking that that's what people want, but they've actually taken away from the original big concepts. And it it was a simple story, the Star Wars uh, saga, but it had the ability for for you to to interpret it and to give it greater meaning. Now, it seems like they're kind of hitting people over the head with, with ideas. And not really giving you room to to appreciate things. I, I don't know if you feel the same way. Well, um, so yeah, your last point. I felt like in this in this in the last Jedi, there was a lot of moments. There was a lot of little all the points when there one character or another was trying to make a philosophical point. And would say, and I'm losing the word for it, but when you say like um, a short statement that is like a, has a deep, deeper meaning to it, like you make this little philosophical jest, and it's like um, it explains a lot about a character, or motive, or uh, a situation, and um, they were very like obtuse. Like they just kind of came. They weren't very. They didn't kind of come from this story some of them like yoda showing up and trying to teach um luke skywalker the importance of like accepting failure is um like all these little moral lessons that they put out but many of them were just very kind of i thought they were very jagged like they didn't naturally arise at the story they were trying to like explain in a couple sentences or less that like here is your um Here's the purpose, but they didn't feel natural at all. Um, like, 
in in the I felt like they're very much for cinematic effect, um, which is and it, maybe I'm just missing something from that happens a lot in Star Wars, and I'm just not thinking about other points where it happened. But it just felt very like forced and trying to like move the story along, um, which kind of also like the scenes and the scene changes also felt pretty forced. Like it was one, one thing to the next. And after, um, Snoke was killed, there was like four or five scenes that happened pretty quickly. And, um, that we're like, okay, let's like wrap this movie up. Um, cause we have some loose ends that we need to tie up really quickly before we can, uh, say that we pretty much, uh, finished a lot of the storyline and we're just going to start with something totally new, but leave it very kind of vague. And yeah, I can go on. I don't know. I, one of them that stuck out to me, maybe as a sort of redeeming aspect to go to the, one of the first points was, um, after Kylo Ren and Rey kill Snoke and then defeat all his night guardians, um, Kylo Ren, you get the impression that he didn't do this because he's on the good side of the force, but he just did this as a um, grasp for power. And he looks at Rey and she gets that same sense and he's like, he says something to the effect of, join me um, and we can rule the force together. Everything's come to an end and it can be you and I. And Ray has like the slightest instance of like more uncertainty. And then she's like, no, 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 like don't do it. This is crazy. She actually tries to convince him to come back. And then, um, they, he, he turns and he starts talking about her identity again and says like, you, um, you still don't get it. Do you like, just say it, just say like who you are, like the thing that's gnawing at you. And, um, like, what did your parents do to you? There's this whole, like, psychological aspect of, like, um, her entire journey is defined by the fact that she doesn't know who her parents are, and she's a nobody. And he, Kyle even says that to her um, at that moment, says, you're, you're no one. You're, you're nothing. Um, and she has to, like, accept that or reject it. And... She rejects it and remains of good side and reinforces her identity. And then he notices that and is like, um, he was trying to manipulate her the whole time by trying to get into that wound and dig at it. Um, and she fought him off for it. And they have, um, uh, about a moment and then she, she runs away and he passes out. But um, I felt like that is, um, from to bring in like a theological perspective, I think I thought that was very interesting because um, his grasp for power entailed, um, because he, he was afraid, that's why he was grasping for power, entailed him trying to control her through trying to identify um, identify who she was, which is a nobody. Um, 
trying to trying to get herself to see to believe that about herself and in doing so making her then feel like she is uh powerless and then needs somebody to give her uh power which would be him which would allow him to rule over her um which I may be reading a ton into that moment, but that's kind of what I saw. And I think that from a theological perspective, when we allow, uh, from a Christian theological perspective, when we allow um, other people or demons to define us, we, get, we give them power over us. And then we need them in some sense because we're believing that uh, identity statement about ourselves. Um, but when we allow God to define us, when we give God authority to define us and we give him the power, uh, that, that power giving over to him leads to our freedom and not our, not our oppression and not our, uh, control by, by evil. The one thing that, um, that I wonder is that if, if we were to, to try to, make sense of the movie and how it relates to the previous movie, then we could say that Ray never needed to go find Luke. That she has the power within herself to take down the the first order. And the problem is that she's never learned that from anybody. If if um Princess Leia would have said to her, um General Organa would have said to her, um Luke is a great guy. He has uh, a lot of power of the Force, but I see in you uh, the new wave of the Force. Uh, guide us, lead us, and and we'll take down my son, who's who's joined the dark side. To me, that would have made more sense. Or we're gonna contact Luke and let him know that we're fighting on this front, and if he wants to join us, that's great. But we're gonna pursue the force through you instead they made the whole hero journey go find the fantastical elder and then she gets to the fantastical elder and and he saw like i don't care anymore i give up so that's why it was disheartening because it was built up that he would bring about some type of uh reckoning and he does at the end, and, and that's what a lot of people say, that it does have, um, that he kind of mocks the idea of him fighting the First Order with a with a light sword, and then he actually does it. But um, if we are going to turn the story around and make it more about the new characters, the new characters haven't been developed enough for them to stand on their own. And it was relying on the old. So it it really... One of the biggest problems of making sequels is that um, you can't recreate the original movies. And they try to use the same formula and, and it doesn't always work. I really feel that this movie is like the ki- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Crystal Skull with um, Indiana Jones. I, I grew up mm-hmm. watching the first three movies. I don't really care about the second one, but the first and the last were the best. And then they they... They say they're going to do another one, but they closed the, the series up to then with this horrible CGI nonsensical story that um, 
it actually makes you not like the characters anymore. Um, so there's the gap of time that take too long to make a sequel. And then there's the disjointedness of trying to bring back people who, um, they say that one of the issues is that, um, um, Princess Leia, uh, uh, Carrie Fisher hasn't been an actress for 30 years. She, I think one of her last movies was, uh, when Harry met Sally and then she went to become a, a writer. So she wasn't up to her game, uh, for these movies. Uh, Mark Hamill has been working in audio, um, voiceover instead of acting. So they had to get him, uh, all pumped up for, for the role. And there's so many issues, but, um, but again, they're trying to, um, it's like a marketing thing of trying to bring new audiences to the old films and to the, the newer, um, versions of the, of the movies, but they, they're also setting themselves up for possible failure because the expectations are so high. Um, Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of accepting failure. I like the idea of um, even Luke says, you know, things don't always turn out the way you expect them or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But one of my friends who's a big movie buff and, and Star Wars um, fan, he felt that it was sad to see Luke in that state. That if that's how. Th- the end of his journey um, was going to be like that it it really um, I guess what we can all say is it makes you wonder for the rest of us like we all want to be Luke Skywalker as a kid and as a great Jedi warrior but we don't want to end up like him when he gets old alone bitter not believing in what he originally believed in um and and not feeling fulfilled uh pursuing his his um his purpose so um so again it's, it's it's realistic in some sense but it's also um disheartening and i feel one of the things that really brought the movie down was the the amount of cgi like the movie felt really fake like the the prequels it didn't feel like, um, you know, the practical effects make it feel more earthy or organic, like that you can feel it. It just felt like a video game and not even a good one. So um, if we're going to bring it back to, to spiritual talk, is one thing that um, in art and religious art, there's this quest for excellence that... Um, the reason that the icon painters make the same images as people in the medieval times is because they're they're trying to keep that tradition going. In the Renaissance, they were trying to compete to see who could do the most realistic images of, of the Bible. But there's this sense of excellence. Uh, now it's weird when you watch a movie from the 70s and it's actually better than a movie done with all the money in the world nowadays because at those times they were... Um, they were focused on the story. They were focused on the pacing and the editing to get a feel and to get a an effect of something they couldn't achieve technically. 
but they were able to achieve a lot of te technical stuff just with innovation, with props and things like that. Now they have all kinds of um, gadgets at their disposal, and it actually looks worse and more contrived than it did in in the old days. So uh, that sense of um, craftsmanship, I think, is something that has been lost. And, uh, and really putting your heart and your love into it. Uh, a Star Wars movie that came right before this one is, is Rogue One. And that felt like a work of love uh, by people who really cared about the franchise. So, um, I don't know. It's just, it just seems, uh, you know, I always uh, get upset at critics who have never painted a painting. They've never made a movie. But they're great at criticizing someone else's uh, creation. But um, I think creative people have uh, a little more um, credibility when they critique someone's work because they know the 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 way you write a story, the way you create a character, the way I think um, to be a director, you have to know a lot about theater because. It's all about uh, acting. I think sometimes the directors don't really know about how how to connect with with the audience, and they lose an opportunity to to get the the actors to perform the their best of their ability. But um, mm -hmm. so you and I have talked about uh, religious movies. You know, there's a lot of Christian movies coming out, and the quality of those films is very bad. Sometimes they hire an Italian director or some Hollywood person to do some effects, but it never reaches um, the the commercial Hollywood. Um, even if they get Hollywood actors, it never gets to that point. So um, I'm trying to think. Uh, there's been any movie I know the uh, the ride was pretty well done, and it had Hollywood actors. And that one was funded by a Catholic uh, company, but um, there've been very few that I, that I can think of that that are actually well done. Um, so I don't know. You said a lot, David. You said a lot. There's um, there's yeah, there's a lot to be said about the the direction that the films have taken stylistically and with their cinematography and depending on who's directing them. I, um, JJ Abrams is, uh, doing the next one though. The last one, right? People have written him off because the last, uh, Star Trek, um, was a little problematic, but I loved it. I, I wasn't that connected to the can, uh, character because it was like before my day. Um, and they were they were mad because they they didn't find another Hispanic actor to play um, Khan, and Khan originally was supposed to be um, Indian. He was supposed to be a Sikh, so I would have loved that they would have had an Indian actor play him. But now in in Hollywood, there's a fear of uh, portraying races in negative light, and and having backlash from that. So that actually leads me to the next point. Um, there's, a, there's a very famous podcast that uh, I believe is from Australia, and they were discussing 
the two characters, uh, Ray, who's the female lead, and Finn, who's um, who's a soldier that that left the First Order and now he's fighting for the Resistance, and they were gonna become if the if if the Last Jedi followed the pattern of the Force Awakens, they would have they would have become like the first interracial couple, um, not only in space but um, in a major motion picture. And Ryan um, Johnson decided to go a different way, and instead of Ray and Finn ending up together, Ray ended up with a uh, someone else who's also from a different race, but it doesn't have the impact of having a, a Caucasian lead and a um, black character from England. Um, and it actually made me angry. Like there was people who had issues with with having a female and and a black actor originally, well, now knowing that there was a potential of them having a romantic story and that has been uh, tossed away, it actually upsets me because there was an opportunity to have um, something that now is more normal and I guess some people can say that I'm part of an interracial couple and they completely scratched it and and scratched it and they're like, we're going to, just put it to the side and not even deal with that. And now it's more like uh, Kylo Ren, the the new Darth Vader, and Rey having some type of romantic thing, um, or at least from coming from from Kylo. Um, it's just uh, I find it almost obscene to uh, not wanting to. Like some people say that they did it on purpose, that the the world is not ready to see that, so that's super offensive. But let's say they didn't do it on purpose, but that's how it ended up. That's actually uh, problematic because um, every time the, the Hispanics or African Americans were portrayed in movies in the 70s, they were always a bad guy. So to actually see uh, a good guy from a different race and then to end up with the girl, that's actually a, a success story. Uh, and now it's just become confused and, and something that they didn't want to uh, like pursue. So um, it's just very strange. Like it just seems like they're doing like counterintuitive decisions. You think they would push pushing the balance when we'll keep going? They're already gonna like turn things up on its head and like let's just go and play a contemporary move on everything then might as well go all the way. I mean And this and it's in space and in another time period, so who cares? Like there like you can show a utopian world where race is not an issue. Like and and that was the magic of Star Trek. Like Star Trek showed the future of, of humanity where Russians and Japanese and and African Americans and everybody lived in harmony. And that's what made it so revolutionary. The stories weren't that great, but it was this idea that that there was the possibility of a greater way of being. Star Wars was very um, Anglo-oriented, like almost all the characters were, were white. Now they're in the last movie, in, in The Force Awakened, it almost became like a UN thing. Like uh, a lot of Disney movies are trying to redo what people hadn't done and they're putting too many minorities in the sense of like it seems like a little bit of tokenism like 
to make sure that everybody is represented. This movie even undid that too. This movie they didn't really care for that other than a couple of Asian characters. It seemed like it didn't have that interest in doing that. And like you're saying, if you're going to be more uh, inclusive, if you're going to be breaking boundaries, might as well go all the way and show um, that type of interest in um, in showing a different way of doing things. But what's interesting, somebody mentioned this, is that if you uh, if you compare the Empire, like the evil Empire of Darth Vader and the Emperor, with the First Order, uh, it's like seeing the, the Nazis, the original Nazis, and then seeing the neo-Nazis. The, the way that they were portrayed in this movie, they look like fools. So, so they, there's a lot of jokes and there's a lot of kind of um, showing their, their limitations or their lack of um, ability to do the job. When in the previous movies, the Empire was very efficient. So, so they were saying that if, if you compare the Nazis with the neo-Nazis, the neo-Nazis are kind of a joke in, in modern culture. That that's how they were portrayed in, the, in this movie. But it was also almost uh, like um, phony. Like it, it felt like you didn't have any fear or any concern for the First Order. Although they destroyed five planets in the last movie, it was hard to, to really feel that they were a threat. Yeah, it seemed like in the beginning of this movie, um, I can't remember what's the general's name, the red-headed guy. Um, it was just... Yeah, he's just kind of funny. Like, I always laughed at him, his character, because he's just such a tool. Like, he's so angry, but, like, in, the in like, a teenage style of anger, and they even have that, like, um, even have the kind of a Hitler-esque scene when uh, I can't remember before he's he's standing before um, everyone and like shouting and then like we're gonna destroy them all and we'll show how much power we have before they um, before they blow up another planet where I can't remember which which one I was anyways um, and they even like raise their arms. Uh, and salute and <laughs> but he's like a really he's just like a pissed off teenager who like obviously doesn't know what he's doing um and Kylo Ren shortly after he kills uh Snoke and Ray runs away and he realizes um he has to like take that same general shows up in the scene and he's like, what happened? And he's like, Ray killed them all. And he's like, Oh, well, he's like, now what do we do? We have no Supreme leader. And Kylo Ren just like freaks out and he, he force chokes him and is like, we don't need a Supreme leader or something like that. Like I'm your Supreme leader. And, um, he's like, okay. And it's just very, um, yeah, it's just it's it's more it's that's a really interesting analogy. I could see how that makes sense. It's it's more just like teenagerish. Like Kylo Ren is like, I don't know exactly what the hell I'm going to do yet, but um, 
I can tell you right now, like I'm feeling like the uh, the biggest guy in the playground, and uh, I'm going to make sure everybody knows it. And then even shows that when he Luke Skywalker comes out to fight him, and he's like just put all the blasters on him, and just like tries to blow him the smithereens, and he's even like squeezing his hands and like, getting so angry about it. Um, it's yeah, that's an interesting interesting point. So his his name is Hux, and he was supposed to be like the new um, so bad with names that there was the character from the original um, trilogy who who built the the Death Star. He was supposed to be like him, but now you just have two kids running the First Order that are like way more massive than the Empire. And taking over the whole galaxy, so we really have to wait to see how they're gonna wrap this up. But um, I want to thank you for being on the show and uh, discussing this. I know we're kind of uh, getting off topic. Like we usually talk about spirituality, uh, theology, philosophy, but their modern culture has the ability to kind of remind us of some uh, some of the many ideas that that we all wrestle with including um, those topics I just mentioned. So it's good for us to discuss that and kind of uh, get those ideas out. Um, so thank you again for being on the show, Joe. Always good. Always good. Always good. Thanks. Thanks for having me again.